Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of My Naked Mindset. I'm your host, Janae Ledger. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is episode number 84. So as you all know, I'm sure My Naked Mindset is all about just being a judgment-free zone, talking about things that, you know, might have a stigma or people don't usually talk about. That's what, that's what we do here at My Naked Mindset. So this episode is going to be all about mental health, which I'm sure all of you, you know, have experienced or, you know, had someone else experience it close to you in one way or another. So this is going to be a mental health episode. Please listen, you know, to your discretion. Um, And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. All right, everyone. My Naked Mindset welcomes a very special guest today. He is a comedian and the host of the Cody Tucker Show. Everyone, please welcome Cody to the show. Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me. Of course, I'm so happy to have you here and we're going to have a blast talking all about mental health and just all the things that comes with, you know, anxiety and all of the, you know, there's obviously so many different types of mental health, but we're going to kind of focus on your journey and honestly, anything else that comes up. So we're going to have a good, a good time today. I'm very excited. Yeah, I am. I've been looking forward to it. It is going to get weird. I am almost positive. <laughs> Love <laughs> like that. Is, Love that. Uh, I mean, digging into my brain is it is not a great place to go, but because <laughs> we'll all find well, out together. I know. I was gonna say, well, we're gonna we're gonna dig. So yeah, okay, so we're ready. We're ready. Let's <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. There's gonna be some trauma coming up that I never even knew about. So <laughs> I mean, hey, we've all got it in one way or another. Uh, yeah no shit yeah (laughs) so let me ask you this my first question I've been loving Mm -hmm. asking people is what are you most excited about that's coming up in your world Mm, that is a good question so it is really hard for me to get excited Mm. about anything I am very like if you can't tell by the just dreadful monotone of my voice uh (laughs) i am not an excitable person Uh but i mean i do have you know like just doing some like open mics and stand up and stuff like that which i'll be doing like more towards the end of october and you know just trying to get back out and like doing more shows like that's what i'm more excited about so it's nothing specific because yeah whatever no dates like planned right now but just doing that and hopefully moving to Austin pretty soon. So, I mean, that seems to be the Mecca, which I mean, I'm born and raised in Texas, so very familiar with Austin and just kind of moving down there and trying to really kickstart things. That's exciting. And and yeah. isn't Austin's tag like keep Austin weird or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's keep Austin okay. weird. But I mean, if you really, I mean, if you're from here and you've been to Austin multiple times and just grew up knowing about Austin it's really just keep Austin just so hipstery Mm. like it is it's I don't like Austin I'll just say that like (laughs) I don't like it but I know like if you're gonna do stand-up and like really try it like you gotta either go to LA New York or now Austin and Mm. for me it's just easier to go to Austin and LA has kind of turned into a complete dump so um and New York is you know Mm. basically the same Right. So I was like, fuck it, I'll just go to Austin. I mean, I'm four hours away anyway. So Yeah, that's convenient. That's awesome. So how did you get into comedy and podcasting? Where did your Uh, journey 
So I actually started with podcasting. It has been a goal of mine to do stand up, you know, regardless. But as I was planning on starting to do like open mics and stuff, uh, this little old pandemic thing happened and Mm. really kicked that in the nuts. So like, I was like, all right, I'm, well, I don't want to just sit on my ass and not do anything. And I've always like loved podcasts and I just like ranting about stuff. So I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just do a podcast. And so I had some friends who were wanting to do one. So I did theirs for a little while and then just kind of left that one and made my own. And that kind of worked out to where, uh, you know, stand up shows were starting to come back. So I just started doing that like kind of simultaneously and, uh, yeah, here I am now. Wow. That's so cool. So what are your, what are your favorite things to like talk about when you're doing your stand up? Mm, so I'm hard question. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I mean, not to me because it's just very random. Like I don't tell stories. Okay. Um, like, you know, there's in general for comedy, there's either like the storyteller comics and then there's like not necessarily one-liners, but it could be one-liners, just very quick, like jokes, like actual mm. joke comics. And I'm more on that side of it. Like very short, just basically trying to say things that are really uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I really enjoy making people uncomfortable more so <laughs> than making them laugh. Like I would much rather the crowd be just awkwardly uncomfortable than like roaring laughing. I love that. So, yeah, I mean, I just say things like, you know, like make jokes about like being molested, which mm. I don't know whether or not I was ever molested. I was in Boy Scouts one week and then the other week I wasn't. So whatever that means, who mm. knows? But like, I just say, just make stuff like that. Or like a lot of incest jokes, stuff that really yes. is not, it takes, there's a specific audience for it. And they usually what? are not at these shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually the people that are wanting to see some fucker like Jeff Dunham or something. Oh my you know, like some older people who are really not enjoying what I'm saying, which <laughs> I love. I love it. See, I kind of love that too. Cause then you're, you get a reaction out of people. Like how you yeah. said, it's not like laughing. It's like, Holy shit. Did that guy really just say that? And that's entertaining. I think that's entertaining. Yeah. That's, that's exactly exactly how i look at it like and i'm not saying i'm necessarily like a great comic (laughs) i I would not put that out there by any means um i mean i'm a super awkward person in general which uh it doesn't necessarily like hurt because i just kind of go with the awkwardness Mm. but you do have to have a certain level of calm on stage like regardless and i don't have that so it It makes things difficult like everyone's just sitting there staring at you and they're just expecting X, Y, and Z out of you. I feel like. Well, and you know, anybody can be funny to an extent. Like you can, anybody can make their friends laugh because you know what makes them laugh. You have inside jokes. Like you have years sometimes of material built up that you know is going to work. Right. But to say I'm going to be funny at Saturday at seven o'clock is weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's strange. And I'm going to like try to be funny to people who do not know who I am, have never met me. They don't even know like what they've never even seen me do stand up, most likely. I mean, some of them have, but like for the most part, they don't know anything about me. So, yeah, that you have to like really be good at winning people over fast, Mm -hmm. which again, 
not that great at. So, <laughs> hey, it, but it's, the good it's thing really is, a struggle. <laughs> you're trying. You're doing it. Like, yes. I think that's. I give you kudos because oh, I think that I'm a funny person, and sometimes my fiance will be like Janae, like you're not that funny, and I'm like, well, I think I'm <laughs> hilarious. Like I crack myself up, and yeah. he's like you're the only person laughing at your joke. I'm like, well, fuck off. So what? I mean, that's the best part. Like, I right. usually am the only person laughing at what I think. Like, I laugh to myself all the time because yeah. I say things in my head that are hilarious to me. But if oh. I said them out loud, it would not be good. <laughs> that's so awesome. Well, yeah. kudos to you for Thank chasing you. after what you want to do, because I think that in this world, we need more people who enjoy what they're doing and actually have a passion for it. So, yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, so today we're going to be getting into all things mental health, kind of specifically men's mental health. I have done an episode, episode five. So that was like quite some time ago. This is episode number 84. Um, just kind of on my experiences and kind of what tips and tricks I learned over the years. I've definitely been to many therapists, so Mm -hmm. on, but specifically this is going to really be about like men's mental health because I am intrigued of you know, how, how different people handle their, you know, their coping mechanism, mechanism, oh my God, mechanism. <laughs> and just, just yeah. stuff like that, because I think specifically men's mental health, I feel like there's such a stigma around it. I mean, I feel like in society, society tells us, oh, men are supposed to be strong and they're supposed to not share their feelings and they're not supposed to cry and this and that. And I think it's all bullshit, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah no 100 percent. yeah it's it's tr- i think it's complete trash so i am going to really destigmatize that today because me and my fiance talk about this all the time how mm-hmm. you know you're you're brought up to be like oh well you know get up you, you know crying is for babies like and and just being the you know the breadwinner or you know the strong mm-hmm. guy like oh like you're not you shouldn't be able to share your feelings but i think it's like you're a human just as well as i'm a human and we're all fucking humans and it's like yeah we're gonna have feelings we're gonna go through things and there shouldn't be such a negative aspect of talking about those feelings and Mm -hmm. bringing them up with your friends because i think that's another part of this is a lot of guys aren't comfortable with like saying to their bro like oh hey you know i'm not feeling so great like I'm having a bunch of anxiety and depression right now. Like, I feel like it's not really talked about. (laughs) Look, I mean, as much as I am open about it, it just, as you were saying that, if one of my friends said that to me, I'd just be like, Jesus, what a sissy. (laughs) 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 Yeah. That's, oh God, it's, yeah, well, is what it is. I can't believe, is is this my internet? I don't know. It doesn't show, because, I mean, it just shows the internet connection, like, whether or not, but it doesn't say that that's you, or it doesn't say that it's me, so I don't know. I just know Zoom is bad at this, but, I mean, We're just going to have to wing it. Oh, I'm fine. I mean, I've dealt with this so many times, so I know this I'm is cool this with is it. One of the only times I feel like it's been this spotty. So, but um, yeah. Oh, so oh, you were saying about right. the 
if you if one of your guy friends said like you're be you know if they said like oh i have anxiety and i'm not feeling good you'd be like well get off it bro like what the fuck oh yeah no i'd be like dude like you are being a total bitch right now which is you know such a horrible thing but like that's ingrained in my head just like it is every other guy even though i do have crazy you know problems with anxiety i mean i'm definitely i'm good at talking about my own but Mm. i'm not that good at hearing about other people's i get i get real yeah it's hard for me to have like very open conversations on the receiving end because i'm like ah what did what do i need what do i do like am i supposed to give you a hug because i'm not gonna do that like (laughs) i mean it's it's weird i gotcha no i mean some people i think that's like that's i feel like some people are more like nurturers in a sense and then some people are more like yeah like they don't know how to almost like some someone giving a compliment and they don't know how to like take it they're like uh thank you like they're like are awkward about it it's kind of i mean that kind of reminds me of Mm -hmm. what you're saying i'm the same i'm i hate compliments i mean not giving like i hate receiving compliments i feel so awkward whenever somebody gives me any kind of semblance of a compliment yeah like god this is i don't like this i don't feel i feel like my skin feels itchy like this (laughs) this sucks yeah i'm like i have to get out of this room like right now yeah (laughs) it's yeah, tough though, it's though. and it's awkward because it's like am I, like how do i approach this and then some people like like literally don't even know how to respond which i i understand because it can be weird depending on who it's coming from yeah. and what you know yeah well it's just like i was definitely raised to not have any kind of emotional connection with people mm-hmm. like everything is just you know I mean, yeah, you have like some friends or whatever, but like you don't talk about anything that's like I was raised very um like I was raised Catholic, but not I was never Catholic. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Like the yep. Catholic mentality of like don't cry, don't show any emotions. If you show emotions, you need to just go lock you need to lock that shit down, <laughs> get drunk or something, and forget about it. Right. But you know, I went to like a Baptist church. So yes it's but it was definitely that you know mentality so like i have a hard time like receiving any kind of like you know compliments or getting any kind of emotional connection to people Mm. i totally get that so where would you say like walk me through some of your mental health journey like what you've been through a little bit i mean please share whatever you feel comfortable with yeah, yeah, I got you. So growing up, I mean, as a kid, definitely now looking back, I would say had a, a pretty steady level of anxiety all the time, constantly afraid of everything, like afraid to go to sleep at night because I would think somebody's going to break into our house and kill me, like, you know, um, afraid to like be in a car because I would think we're going to get in a wreck, like all those little things like normal thoughts to an extent, but they would, you know, kind of, they would play out in my head too much. Like I had too vivid of an imagination for my own good. Mm. If that makes sense. Like instead of just having the thought and letting it pass, being like, that's ridiculous. We're not going to get in a wreck. I would linger on that thought and imagine it happening and imagine it taking place. Like what would happen? Like what would happen if my parents died in the wreck and I didn't, or like, what would they think if I died in the wreck and they didn't like, 
all those things. And then those thoughts would just spiral and spiral. So I was like, Jesus, this is not good. Um, and then, but I had never had like panic attacks. I just had general, a general feeling of like something bad could happen at any second. And then it wasn't until I was like about 18 or 19 where I just started having massive panic attacks, usually mostly just from driving, which is still, I still have it. I can't drive at all hard. Like anything over like a 30 minute drive can't handle it. Mm. Yeah. And I still have that. So 10 years later, that's still a problem. Wow. I mean, that's panic attacks are, it's terrifying. And it sucks. I've had like a couple and it's so overwhelming and it feels like you cannot ever get out of it. It's really, it's very, very hard. So I completely can relate to just like Mm -hmm. that overwhelming feeling. And it's like, everything is just so high in. And I mean, there's different, you know, things that can happen within a panic attack. Like I've Mm -hmm. had the ones where I'm like hyperventilating. Like I think that I'm not breathing, but I am breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Mine are your chest gets super tight. So Mm -hmm. that must mean you're having a heart attack. You need to get to the hospital immediately. And then if I do go to hospital, which I don't, because now I know that it's a panic attack, which is supposed to make it better. And it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it just makes me realize that I'm out of my goddamn mind and it's causing physical problems. Like I, it's indistinguishable from a real physical, you know, heart attack to an extent. I mean, a heart attack is obviously way worse, but like I sit, I'm like, Oh, like you're inhaling, but there's no breath going in. Mm-hmm. But I can feel myself inhaling because I can feel my chest getting bigger, my stomach, you know, getting bigger. But like in my brain, I'm like, no, 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 no air just went in. So you actually aren't breathing. <laughs> it's such a delusional thought. But yeah, and that's that starts to happen anytime I drive, like anytime I get behind the wheel, I'm just immediately on edge to a certain level. And then if, it, if I'm in the car long enough, it'll just spiral into this full blown panic. Now, can you hear me? Can Wait, you hear I me? I think you're... Yeah, it's... The connection went down a little bit, but I think it's good now. Now, does that happen if you're in the passenger or the driver's? Um, So, passenger seat, nowhere near as bad. Like, I can handle, like, about a two- to three-hour drive in the passenger seat, but anything over that, uh, that it'll, it just starts to get a little too much. But for the most part, I can handle passenger seat. Like, it's really oh. just driving. It's something about the fact that, like, I don't have – I need to have control over everything. And yeah. if I'm driving, you would think like, oh, so that means you're in control. So it's not that. It's the fact that I'm not in control of all the other people driving. The other people. So yes. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. Like, is that guy going to stop? He's supposed to stop, but is he going to stop? Right. So I'm constantly basically um, – so I also have like a problem with uh, stimulation. Like, um, no. Well, yeah, yeah. Sensory. Sensory issues. So yes. like, if, so like yep. I have a hard time going to restaurants where there's like music playing mm. or if there's like a lot of people close together in that restaurant, it's not the same as like agoraphobia or whatever, where you're afraid of crowds. It's just the fact that I have to like, my brain starts to listen to every conversation. 
right all at the same time and that and, and then if there's music playing and there's lights like a billboard you know it's it's all becomes like it's like almost like a version of like asperger's mm. like i'm basically rain man i'm just not good at counting cards <laughs> like that's kind of the only way i can think of to describe it like i it's very obsessive everything is like mm. i'm very obsessive about everything and needing control of like the people around me and and myself like i'm just not the people around me as much as like the situation whatever right. situation i'm in i need control i don't want to ride with someone else to a party because i don't want to not be able to leave yeah like that, that kind of stuff you know i totally get that yeah it's anxiety can be just so i mean i feel like it's different for every single person truly and mm -hmm. i think there's so many different situations in which people have anxiety like obviously there's like situational and then there's certain you know there's certain things that really trigger it you know yeah. um so what have you what have you like learned from yourself through kind of all of your your journey mostly so I am by no means like cured of any of this. So it's hard to really learn. Like, I don't know that I've learned anything. I've learned that, that I have way more mental health problems than I ever thought I did. Cause I would usually just write it off as being like, Oh, you're just, you know, delusional or you're overthinking mm -hmm. and not thinking that, Oh, this is like a real problem with my brain. Mm. Like, and and just basically rejecting any ideas of like medication or therapy or any of that stuff because being like dude just fucking get over it like you're fine and that works for like a second and then it doesn't work and right. then because telling yourself you're fine doesn't work you now start to add in well maybe i'm not fine because if right. it didn't work while i was telling myself i'm fine so i know that i'm fine yet these physical problems are happening so am I fine? And then that's, that turns into a spiral of just uh, self-doubt, just doubting, like, am I in control of my own goddamn mind? Yeah. And a lot of the times I do not feel like I am. I feel like it could slip at any second during these like panic attacks. Now, like throughout the day, like right oh. now I feel completely fine. But like whenever the anxiety stuff is kicking in, I feel like I have a very loose grip on my own like mind. Mm. Yeah. And and it's hard because it's like the control thing. I completely understand. It's mm -hmm. like it's so hard to not be in control in certain situations. And then when and when something goes off the rails or whatever, then mm -hmm. it's just like it intensifies everything. It's just so overwhelming. And yeah, probably it sounds like that's kind of when it starts kicking in. Like whoa, like yeah, slow it down a little. And the intrusive thoughts. I've kind of done some. <laughs> on intrusive thoughts because that i do that shit mm -hmm. all the time oh like, yeah my yeah oh. i have horrible intrusive thoughts like like because like you know i was telling you earlier my dad just got in like a pretty bad wreck i mean it was about four months ago but or six months ago and the intrusive thoughts that come in every day because of that of like because he almost died so like oh. and i was never really like that close to my dad like as a kid but for some reason, this, I was like, oh, maybe I was closer to this son of a bitch than I thought I was. Cause yeah. like, I don't want this dude to die. And like, right, right. but I'd never would have thought that as a kid. I'd be like, I don't give a shit. Like, he didn't care about me. I don't care about him. That's how it is. But I, you know, and then having something like that happen, you realize, eh, no, you were just trying to like lie to yourself so that yes. you don't have emotions. Right, right. 
Yeah. Right. And that's, I mean, like I said earlier, all about just like checking in with yourself, I think too, is a huge Mm -hmm. thing. I always say, you know, whether that being journaling, whether that just being checking in with yourself, like maybe weekly, monthly, however often, I just think, and I think doing this in your relationships too, like just kind of saying, okay, you know, I've been struggling with this and kind of trying to pinpoint where it's coming from, I think can be super beneficial and helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, from my experiences, I think really just being able to say, you know what, this thing is really bothering me. This keeps on coming up. I need to, you know, try to cope with it somehow. You know, I need a coping mechanism. I need to talk to someone, whatever. Um, so what, what would you say are like some things that you, that works for you, like coping mechanisms? What you um, so as like a preventative thing, meditation works, but my problem is that I am really bad at um, creating like any kind of um, routine. Mm. So like, so, okay. So to better explain it, I've always had weight problems and as you can see, still do. So <laughs> I had always had this problem where I will start to eat super clean and exercise every day. And I will start to show some sort of result and be like, all right, I'm good. And then just quit. Mm. Like as soon as I start to see that it's improving, I'm like, all right, I don't need to do it anymore. I lost some weight. I'm good. And then I just go right back to being fat and lazy, which is the kind of the same thing I do with meditation. Like I do it for like weeks and I'm like, man, like I haven't had any real anxiety, like overblown anxiety. Anxiety was the last word I heard. Okay. Okay. I got you. No, no, no. So yeah, like I'll start thinking that I, you know, am not like, like I'll do this meditation for weeks and meditate like every single day for like weeks. And then I'll go to, I'll get to a point to where I'm not having any overblown anxiety. Mm. Um, no, no panic attacks. And so I'm just in my head, I'm like, oh, so you're good. You don't have to do this meditation shit anymore. So then I stop and sure enough comes back. And for some reason, it's like, that doesn't sink into me that, keep doing this right right so the routine thing is is really kind of a struggle to like keep on track sort of so like basically just getting past the thought of like or getting to a place to where you're thinking it does not matter if i see results or Mm. am seeing any positivity this needs to be just something that i do like brushing my teeth yeah and i can tell myself that all the time but for some reason i can't put it into like an action. Mm. I can tell myself all the time, like, oh yeah, you know, it's just like, or like going to a gym. If you just get in the car and go to the gym, that's the hardest part. So just get that. Once you get there, of course you're going to go work out. Don't even think about working out. And I know in my head that makes sense, but yet tomorrow I'm not going to get in my car and go to the gym. Chances are. It's hard. Routine is a hard thing. That's what the, I think they say like, a routine takes what like three weeks to actually like, 21 days yep. yeah 21 days to create a habit is yeah in general what they say heroin i think takes a little less than 21 <laughs> days but you know 
<laughs> I think in general, it takes about 21 days. Yeah. And, and I get that. Sometimes I, I get in the rhythm of something and I'll be like really good. And then I'm like, ah, oh, other things came up now. I'm just going to push that. Yeah. Like similarly to, um, like I, I do love meditation. I think meditation can be a really great tool. Um, it, it's called a practice for a reason, I think, because you literally have to do it repetitively and yeah. not like it's it's really hard to because us overthinkers it's so hard to like remove all thoughts and truly focus on what you need mm-hmm. to breathing um yeah but yeah i'm the same way like sometimes i'll be like really good at the gym and then like i won't go for three months and i'm like oh fuck like it's yeah. really i get that like the structure the routine is hard to pinpoint and then like you said when you see results or something changing in a good way you're like oh okay i don't have to do it anymore so right I completely relate to that. It's it's really it's a really tough thing. Um, yeah. Anything besides meditation? Like, do do you listen mm. to any podcasts that have really hit home for you? Not really. So, uh, the I mean, I guess to an extent, like some of those apps, like the Calm app and stuff like yeah. that, like they work just in like the sense of having some like feedback of like, hey, hey, like obviously enough people are dealing with this to yeah. where it required an app. Right. <laughs> so listen to what they're saying. Cause most likely this is helping out the other, you know, X amount of people who downloaded this app. Yeah. So just listen to it, see if it resonates and it always does. So those, those work for in the moment, mm. something bad is happening or also just to like get up and walk around. Like, so with driving, yeah. If I just pull over, get out of my car, and just walk around wherever it is that I'm at, it usually helps. Okay. Like it's like getting out that nervous uh, tension, build up energy. Uh, just walking around, being like, "Hey, you're not stuck in your car. Like you're not stuck anywhere." Miles, right, right. now. Oh, I was gonna say. Um, so you know, during your your journey through your mental health, would you say there's any? advice for like you know your support system that really worked to kind of help you like did anyone like check in with you or like um Um, anything i yeah so i have a few friends who are like pretty understanding about it Mm. and just them basically like every once in a while asking like hey are you good or like basically just not making it weird that i'm feeling weird that helps like having friends who are just like Hey, like, just go inside for a second. Like, you know, and then like, like they see that I'm like, not, I'm something's wrong. And instead of them just being like, dude, are you all right? Like in making a scene out of it, which makes it so much worse. Like yeah. having them just be like, I don't know. There's, there's just a way of reacting to it. Like if you have a friend who's clearly having a panic attack, but they're trying to hide it. Right. If you're just like nonchalant about it that helps instead of being like, Oh dude, dude, are you having one right now? Right, <laughs> right. I mean, that sucks so much when you hear that. And I know that it's coming from a good place, but Oh my God, it, it makes it so much worse when you get like spot lit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, no, it's like, the, it's yeah. like the delivery of how someone, you know, it, or same thing of like, if, if you have like an issue with someone or you're like, you know, you, you hurt my feelings or you piss me off or whatever, it's like mm. the delivery of them saying, hey, you know, this 
this really bothered me and I really want to tell you because I want to be fair to you, right? Like yes. kind of similarly to that. For uh, sure. So I love that. Kind of like a little check-in, just nonchalant, kind of casual bring up. Like, hey, like you doing okay, bro? Like Yeah. 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 yeah it helps. And, and especially like because a lot of it's like, hey, you good? Right. That that helps more than saying like or I don't know, because sometimes like if I have a friend to be like, hey, or, oh, are you having a panic attack? Like if they say it calmly, it actually helps to hear yeah. that instead yeah. of, hey, are you good? Because if, if somebody asks you, are you good? You'll say yes, no matter right. what. Mm-hmm. It's just natural reaction to say, yep, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But if somebody says, oh, are you having like a, a panic thing or something? That actually helps because you can say yes and it actually means something. Right. And so that'll happen where somebody will ask, like, oh, are you having like a, you know, a panic thing? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, a little bit. And for some reason that just having that moment knocks it down a couple notches Mm. where I'm like, oh, well, somebody knows that I'm feeling this way. So it isn't like this secret inside of my head. Right. Yeah. Like they're going to be there for you. Exactly. And I'm not hiding. Like I'm not hiding anything because hiding it makes it so much worse or pretending to not be having one. Cause you can't do that. Oh. Like you can't pretend your way out of it. Right. You have to like do some techniques, like kind of accept that you're having one, like all those, you know, very, um, whatever, uh, like the, the most common tactics that they tell you, you know, like five second breathing, all that kind of stuff, or box square breathing, whatever they call it. Like, you know, all this stuff helps, but it also helps to, have somebody else there know that it's happening absolutely yeah i love that i love a little check-in just something small can honestly go a long way and i i truly believe in like reaching out to my friends every once in a while and just being like Mm -hmm. hey like how's life i know we're all busy i know we all have a crazy life like kids whatever like work yeah life life, whatever we'll see and and that only happened whenever I actually took the time to like tell some of my like really good friends, like what these panic attacks feel like, mm-hmm. cause they didn't know cause they aren't having them. And that's yeah. so in there. Cause people also use the term panic attack way too much. Like, there's a difference between feeling nervous and having a panic attack. Right. There's a massive difference. Cause like I get nervous before, like I go on stage, super nervous, oh, but yeah. I don't have a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Like I just feel it's like a bit of excitement plus nervousness. Like it's not the same thing. So they in their head are thinking, "Oh, a panic attack is just oh yeah, you're just nervous." Like no, 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 no. No, no my brain is telling me that I'm dying. Right, right. <laughs> and and like that's not what happens when you're kind of nervous or you have the jitters. Like it's it's right. different. So having being able to actually take the time and tell them like no this is what happens like whenever i'm having these panic attacks that y'all kind of like sort of glaze over like it's nothing or like don't get why i have a hard time like going to some going somewhere like why i want to stay in my house like this is what it feels like when they happen and once i did that they were like oh shit, okay so that's not what we thought it was so they're like more um kind of aware of it and like mindful to be kind of understanding about it yeah, and I'm sure that makes you feel more comfortable because then you're kind of yeah. being vulnerable with them, being like, hey, this is this is my thing, you know, this is how I feel when it happens, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure them, you know, they receive that and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, now I can kind of understand Cody more and 
you know, I'll be here to support him and whatever he needs and stuff like that. So I'm sure. Yeah. And I, 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 I mean, this might sound cheesy, but I truly think that when you have those conversations with your friends, that builds your friendship stronger because yeah. you were just vulnerable. You shared something about yourself and they probably feel like, oh, okay. Like he felt comfortable enough to tell me that. And now, you know, I know this info and I can, you know, help him out or check in on him if he needs and stuff like that. So I think, I think that's beautiful, honestly. Yeah. No, see, that was actually to, to go along with that. Um, some of those same friends, like, cause for a while I was having like panic attacks so bad that like, I wasn't leaving my house, like, cause I did not want to like leave this safe area. They thought that I just didn't want to be around them. So they kind of had it in their head that I was like pissed off about something, which I never was like, no, no, nothing that had to do with them. So whenever I actually explained to them that uh, about these panic attacks, they were like, oh, so that's why you haven't been like hanging around. Like, yeah. And they were like, yeah, we thought this was our problem. Like, no, no, no. I didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't really want to be around myself. So yeah, that actually helped kind of some understanding of where both people were coming from and kind of like got rid of any of the, like their sort of intrusive thoughts about like, is he pissed off at us? Like, did we do something? Which no, of course not. Like nothing was wrong, but I can understand how they would feel that way. Cause I do that too. Like, you know, Oh yeah, for sure. And again, it comes down to great communication, honestly, like, yeah, you know, just, you know, them sharing how they felt and you sharing how you felt. It's like, it sounds so simple, but it's not always easy to communicate, especially when we're talking about our feelings. Being vulnerable can be very terrifying. Like, yeah, even, even sometimes with like new friends, for instance, I don't know about you, but anytime I meet new friends and like, I kind of like want to start opening up, but then it's like that weird dance of like, mm-hmm. am I sharing too much? Like I see, obviously I'm like a super open person. I freaking talk about my sex life on, on my podcast. I talk about yeah. everything. So when I kind of share like, I don't know, something personal with like a new friend, I'm always like, are they going to think I'm oversharing? Like, is it going to be too much for them? Are they going to judge me? Like all these yeah. things start running through my head. And, and that can be a really hard way to like navigate, like, oh, am I, am I doing too much? Am I saying too much? Like mm-hmm. it can be really quite terrifying to like, just yeah. be with new friends, like, have new friends and then it's like what am i just overthinking all of this (laughs) yeah yeah no and and that's the a huge problem with you know i mean it's people in general but i think to go to you know to the topic of like men's mental health like a big problem is that men like myself like i can you know point this right to me like have been told like our whole lives like do not show emotion because that is vulnerable, like vulnerability. Do not make yourself vulnerable. Like be stoic, be uh, like sturdy. Like, and I mean, that has fucked me up more than anything is having that and having, you know, everyone in my family be like that and not just like telling me, but they are also like that. Like I've never seen a person in my family. Yeah. I'm trying to think like, I don't think I've ever seen someone in my family crying over the death of another person in our family. It's always, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always just like, I mean, I'm sure they did, but they're not doing it around me or anybody else. It's very much like you, you keep it to yourself until like you have some alone time maybe. And so that has been embedded in me. And so like 
any family member that's died. Like I've had uncles that have died, like whoever it is, like nothing. I don't have any emotion about it. Like it doesn't register to me that like right. they're dead. I'm actually, I'm more likely to cry watching Lion King than I am to cry about like a family member dying. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I think like you were saying, um, it, it really stems from our childhood. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we as adults, like, so much of our trauma or experiences and how we do x y and z in our life stems mm-hmm. from our childhood oh, so i yeah. can totally understand why why you felt that way like if no if if i'm if i'm being told like oh don't have emotion don't be vulnerable mm-hmm. like of course you're going to be like that in your adulthood because you've never known anything else <clears throat> yeah. right oh yeah everything is <laughs> i mean this is a horrible thing to say but it is the truth about how especially people like, I mean, it's probably everywhere, but especially like in Texas and the South is like, if a guy shows emotions, then he's gay. Like, I mean, that's, that's what you hear. Like, like it isn't. And I mean, it's just, that's the insult is like only, like only a gay guy would show emotion, which is so stupid. I mean, I mean, I mean, there's obviously gay dudes who are super stoic and probably have had some of these exact same issues just as there are straight. It has nothing to do with that, but that's what you hear is like, or don't be a, yeah, I'm not gonna say, but like, don't be an F word. Like those, that's what you hear, like growing up, especially like around here. It's like, God damn, like, like one, like a, that has nothing to do with anything, but that's, but so as a kid, you realize that like everybody around here seems to hate gay people. And if they see me crying, they're going to think I'm gay. So therefore they will hate me. It's like, God, like there's, it's just, it's multi layers of just really shitty upbringing right right and, and and that stems into like different avenues whether it's emotions um you know different like prejudices that goes into all sorts of things but like yeah i i remember hearing some wild shit from family members when it comes to like showing your emotions and what that means if a guy is emotional and you're like holy shit this is this was not good to be hearing at seven years old like, yeah. yeah now how would you say you or I guess if someone else is going through this, how do you unlearn those behaviors? Oh, it is. So like I do put, I put a lot of weight into the idea of hitting rock bottom. Mm. I think that, I mean, obviously there's huge danger in hitting rock bottom because some people don't escape that. Like that's, that's where they, uh, you know, left the body is rock bottom. But if you can hit that and come back up, you will get rid of so much stuff. Like, I think I hit it pretty good with like drinking. Like I was drinking to cope with anxiety and just like in my mind, having a shitty childhood, which I know compared to some people, it was a great childhood, you know, like, so I don't try to like, you know, weigh my shitty upbringing compared to other people, but like, yeah. In my mind, I did not have a great upbringing when it comes to like emotional stuff. Like, was I taken care of? Like, for sure. But was I taken care of as far as like a human being, like love, emotions? Hell no. Mm. Like, basically, be, I was taken care of the same way like a goldfish is taken care of. Like, do you feed it three times a day? Yes. Does it have a place to live? Yes. Like, yeah. that's that's what it is. But nobody's like petting their damn goldfish. Oh, um, right. yeah. And, and, so just having that, like having to be like, okay, I'm just going to drink myself into feeling happy. And then that took a not great turn. 
and then being like, okay, I'm just going to quit. Like I'm done with this. Like I'm done being hungover every day. I'm done like saying things that I don't even know whether I said it or not. And I definitely didn't mean it. Like having to go through that damn, you know, playback. But I think that if I wouldn't have done that, I would be in a way worse place. Like if I wouldn't have like pushed it that hard and had a rock bottom, mm. then I would still be drinking and it would st- I, nothing. I wouldn't be like coping or not coping, but um, coming to terms with anything, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's powerful. And, and, and I think that's probably something you learned about yourself though, is, you know, mm-hmm. well, I had to get, I had to get to rock bottom to come back up and be a stronger, better version of myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you are a person in this situation, you should ask yourself, am I at rock bottom? Mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, then be like, okay, do I want to just die here in rock bottom? Or do I have any ounce of me that wants to have a good life? Mm. And then, you know, follow that path. Yeah. Or if you ha- if you ask yourself that and you haven't hit rock bottom, either say, do I want to allow myself to hit that? and push it and then hope that I come out. Okay. Or do I want to like knock it out before I get there? Either way, the, the, the realization is the same. It's either you're going to spiral until you aren't here anymore, Mm. or you're going to like come back up and fix yourself. It's just whether or not you're at rock bottom or not. That's the difference. Yeah. But I think it is kind of like a shit or get off the pot mentality. You know, like, I'm just like, I mean, do I want to have a good life at any point in the future? Then I need to start doing this shit today. Yes. Like, don't say, oh, I'm going to quit drinking Monday because right. Monday will come and somebody's going to ask you if you want to get drunk and you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, just be like, nah, I'm done. Which I actually did it from doing that, like, sober October. Really? Yeah, yeah. So I did that sober October, like, you know, four years in a row. And it actually was like. I was like, damn, this has been the nicest month of the year. And then, but as soon as November 1st kicks in, I am hammered. (laughs) Like, what the hell? Like, I knew that this felt good for these 31 days. And I'm not sticking with it. But then one month, it finally just kicked in. I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'm just not going to drink. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is so powerful. And I mean, I'm sure you it sounds like you have grown a significant amount over the years and just really like, Mm -hmm. you know what I have, I have an issue. I have a problem going on. It's not making me feel good. It's making me do and say things that I don't want to do. And Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's such a beautiful thing when people can really come to the realization and, and internally say, you know what, this is an issue. Cause let's be honest here. Not everyone can do that. Not everyone can say, I have an issue. I have a problem. You know, I have a concern. Like, it is really hard to say that, like, to yourself out loud, like, to to other people. That's really hard. So, kudos to you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think with drinking, because I don't know anything about any other drugs. Like, I don't do, I mean, I've never done heroin or anything like that. Drinking is my, like, was my go-to. Yeah. And 
I mean, I also don't like being the guy, the sober guy who's like, oh, you should quit drinking. Like, cause I think that is such a shitty, obnoxious, <laughs> and nobody wants to be around that dude. Like, what a buzzkill. Like, the guy who isn't drinking, but is letting everyone know he quit drinking. Like, I just, I still hang out at bars and I still like hang yeah. out with people who drink. I just drink water, but I don't let it, I don't like make it known, like, ooh, look at how great I am. But I do say, and this is like, I think a thing that maybe a lot of people don't agree with, but if you drink to get drunk uh, away from any kind of like special occasion, you have a problem. Because mm -hmm. why would you need to get drunk? Like, that's what you have to ask yourself. Like, now, if you're a dude who just comes home from work and you have a pretty stressful job, and you drink like a drink, it kind of helps you wind down. Uh, you don't have a problem. But if you drink to get drunk, like inebriated, and it isn't because like you're celebrating, you know, a birthday or something like there's no reason you have a problem like you do. Yeah. Like there's something you may not have the problem to the extent where like, oh, you're going to get a DWI one day or you're going to lose your wife and kids like not that. But like you have something going on in your head that needs to be looked at. Absolutely. Yeah. 100 percent. And I mean. I my dad has been an alcoholic my whole life so I know yeah, yeah, same <laughs> extensively about a lot of things mm -hmm. in this conversation um yeah and and I completely agree with you it's like uh, it's it's tough and it's hard but I think if if you have the capacity to understand and really be like mm -hmm. you know what I'm doing this over and over again you know like you said, the if you're drinking to get drunk, you know, all of the, the things that really are an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, what defines an alcoholic an alcoholic, I think it's just getting to the point where saying, you know what, I really want to be a better yeah. a, a better person. I want to be the best version mm -hmm. of myself. Yeah. And I think no, a hundred percent for sure. And I think that it a lot of that goes back to like the men's side of mental health too, is that alcohol for a lot of men is seen as that's the way you should cope with your emotions. Like he, I mean, think about it, like alcohol has always been presented in it as a masculine, like mm. this is how a man handles himself. You know, like you don't see pictures of Frank Sinatra drinking a goddamn glass of milk. Like he's drinking Jack Daniels or like, you know, or seeing like rockstar drinking Jack Daniels. They're not drinking fucking Pepsi. Um, but it is seen as that way of like, no, a man drinks. But then what happens when that man drinks because he has real problems and that drinking turns into something horrible? Then is he still like, because at that point, I mean, you're not a man anymore, you know, in that sense of it, like you're, you've weakened yourself. And the whole point is to like, get rid of the weaknesses because everybody has weaknesses, but like get rid of them because they do nothing for you. Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. And I, I, when you just said that, it kind of blew my mind because it's so true. It's like men and drinking. It's like, yeah, I feel like it goes oh, yeah. hand in hand, which is kind of fucked up to say, but like it's reality. Yeah. Um, and well, look at like TV true. shows and movies. Like look at Cheers. Right. Like they weren't hanging out at a fucking pottery barn. Like they were, or they weren't hanging out at Starbucks. Like they were hanging out at a bar and these men at the bar are facing their life's problems while drinking beer. And even the women in this bar are in a sense, masculine in nature. Like, I don't know if you ever watched cheers, but like Carla, Rhea Perlman's character is like, 
very a very masculine character and she's like but she's like one of the few women on the show but everybody else is a guy and this is what guys do we have a long day at work we go to a bar get drunk and face the next day because we hate our lives Mm. and i mean women obviously have that too like there is it's just in a different form i think right right like there's like the real housewives version of that where these women are just getting trashed because like they have nothing of value in their life of real value you know right so so there is it's not just a man's thing but like it's just what i grew up noticing more you know totally yeah so what do you think like obviously i know you talk about mental health on your podcast a little Mm -hmm. bit too how can we as a society like continue to like destigmatize this and like make it more open for men to feel comfortable talking about their mental health? What do you think? I mean, one is the generation that was so opposed to it has to just kind of die off. I know that. I mean, you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not for like, you know, genocide or anything. Like I'm not telling people go out and kill an old person, uh, right. but it does seem to be a thing where generationally it has gotten better. Yeah. Um, and when the generation of like, cause you know, if you look at like, like my granddad's generation to my dad's generation, both of those are very like, no, hold in your emotions. But my granddad's is way more intense than my dad's. So there is some improvement, even Mm. though it's not great. So I think those generations not raising kids helps. Because I think our generation, like how old, how old are you? I'm 30. Okay. Okay. So we're the same basic. I'm 28. So like, I think our generation is way more into like learning about mental health and like being super open about it. So having two generations in a row of us, like our mindset, raising kids helps. I think that that will do more because you cannot convince a 70 year old man right now that he should be more in touch with his feelings. That is so funny. <laughs> I mean, good luck. <laughs> like, good luck telling a dude at a nursing home, hey, have you cried? When's the last time you cried? He is going to, like, I mean, he's going to smack you in the neck with his cane. <laughs> like, he's like, he's like, I killed 400 people in Korea. I'm not crying. <laughs> he's like, I watched five of my children die, and I didn't shed a tear. Like, <laughs> like it is... It's just how it like, That's but you true. know, and it's not their fault because they were right. raised by that, a they were raised like that. Worse, so like, you know, like my granddad. I mean, that dude. I've never heard him talk about crying. Like, and he's a very like stoic, stoic dude, and he's not going to unlearn that. Nor should he. I mean, hell, once you're seventy, like, right, you shouldn't expect people to change at seventy years old. So right. I just say, very let them exactly very- like let them have their time and enjoy it and they'll go away and then you know hopefully our generation and the next and the next and the next will make it a little bit more just some more understanding yeah and i think i also i I mean i'm taking this to a whole nother level but i think Mm -hmm. our education system needs to also fucking not just talk (laughs) about i i mean i i can't think of a time in high school or college where i was taught like about emotions or like emotional intelligence or mental health and you know like, the, i can't remember anything the one time we did 
is after one of my best friends in high school killed himself. There was about a, there was about a day where they were like, is everybody all right? (laughs) Like, like the counselor would come and go, Hey, if anybody needs to talk to anybody, now's the time. And then a week later, it was as if it never happened. It's like, no, make sure your test scores are good. Like blah, blah, blah. Like they didn't really care. I mean, I'm sure the guidance counselors do care. Right, right, right. But what what can one guidance counselor do for twelve hundred kids? Which is how many right. was in my high school? Like, I mean, right. they can't establish a connection to twelve hundred kids. Right. So they're just doing like whatever the hell they can do. There needs to be like, if the school doesn't have it available in house, at mm-hmm. least some sort of outside resource. And mm-hmm. I, as far as I know, we didn't have that. I don't remember them passing out a fucking pamphlet for therapy, but oh, those are the age. That's the age where you need it more than any age. Oh, 100%. Like I would be so much better off if I had gotten therapy from like, let's say 14 to 18. Mm-hmm. So high that's school. Prime years. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, God, like you, I mean, there have been tests done where they showed that the average 18 year old or the average high school student has more stress in their like brain than a navy seal wow. it's like yeah no shit like but you know nobody cares if that's just you being a teenager and you're i was just you know, gonna like, say yep. yeah being a teenager. <laughs> it's like yeah like i mean the disaster thinking that i did at 16 over like a breakup oh i mean my god god and now me i would just be like oh well there's another one you know like i mean and i still don't have my shit together completely but i at least don't handle things as bad as i did at 16. right right i think i think you're absolutely right something in the education like yeah some resource right and i i do agree with you i think generationally we're getting better i think our generation i even think i don't what are we gen z and then yeah gen z I think. I mean, I don't. I, I don't keep. And then there's like, I don't know. I don't know all of them. I won't lie. I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I I know all of them. But the generation no. above us, I think, is also pretty similarly in the mental health space. And I think the one below yeah. us are too. So I think right. we're on a we're on a better traject trajectory. Mm. But I also think that social media has a massive influence on all of this. Yeah, that's a big thing. Is that social media because it just has influence in general means that it can have a really like positive influence but it also could have a massively negative and i think that over the past let's say 10 years 15 years over the past 15 years it has been largely negative Mm -hmm. but if that got kind of reversed which it is to an extent getting that way but if it got more reversed having a positive influence and i'm not saying like oh nobody should make fun of people like any of that i mean in a perfect world, people wouldn't make fun of people, but also I would be out of a job. So <laughs> like, I mean, I'm kind of like, I don't mind some of it, but there needs to be some, like some sort of education in how to deal with someone else stressing you out. Yes. And cause that creates such a problem with mental health too, of like, you know, mm-hmm. I can't imagine being a 13 year old girl. And looking at my Facebook and having someone comment on a picture saying I look fat, I mean, I would lose my mind. Exactly, but someone will do it. Like mm-hmm. that isn't getting erased. But if there was some way to 
give more of an education to the girl who saw who, who it's her picture to say, I'm deleting this person from my Facebook and I'm deleting the comment. That's their problem. Like if there was yeah. some way to get that in, mm. things would be so much better because you're not going to get rid of an asshole. Right, Assholes right. are cockroaches and will live forever. Yep. Boy. And so you got to figure out a way to handle an asshole. Mm. And if, if there was some way at like a preteen to teenage level, there was you know some education into that or some emphasis put in it. Cause right now everything is like, don't bully, don't bully, don't bully. Right. Bullies aren't hearing those PSAs and being like, oh, I can't believe I was hurting these people. Right. Or, oh, that's me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause they're also probably, they probably don't have a great home life. Oh, hell no. Like people no. don't just decide, hey, I think I want to be a bully. Like, no, they probably have a dad who beats them or a mom who is a raging alcoholic and isn't there. Like, you know, so they have some major trauma. Exactly. Like, so you just have to kind of figure out a way to handle life mm -hmm. as it happens around you, not to try to stop things from happening. You're not going to stop a car wreck. You're not going to stop cancer. You're not going to stop a guy making fun of you. But how do you handle those things? I mean, cancer was a horrible example. I am now realizing because you can't really think away um, a terminal illness. <laughs> so let me retract cancer from that. But uh, let's say shingles. Shingles is one you can yeah. you can handle. You know the pain of shingles. But yeah, that's that helps. I think. Yeah, and I like that idea of like almost retraining our brains to be like, okay, I have this negative comment. I am going to just delete it and go on with my day. It does not even matter. And exactly. Yeah. When you said the 13 year old girl being on Facebook, oh my God. I, God bless the kids that are like in their teenage years right now because I could not handle having all of this. Oh my God. With the fucking crop tops. I'm sorry. What? What is up with this? Like, I, <laughs> I wear crop tops. I'm a 30 year old woman. I am allowed yeah. to. I don't want to see, and I don't think. A lot of other people in this world want to see a fucking 14 year old girl with a fucking crop top. Sorry. It's ridiculous. It's yeah, horrible. No. It's terrifying. It is. And see, and then the problem too is with these girls, like a girl like that, is that people are just going to copy what they see regardless. It isn't necessarily that they're in a crop top. It's just that that's what they see. But they are being raised. So if you think about a 14 year old now, they probably have a mom who is roughly 35, 36. Let's just say, I mean, obviously that could be different, but that a 35 and 36 year old now is just as, I mean, they put just as much focus into like looks and things like that. Whereas like, you know, I would say in the sixties, if you were 35, you were damn near halfway dead. I mean, they were, they were looking at you like you were a, you know, a babushka like you know, it's it's that's <laughs> how it was like but now everything is so much younger right, right. so a 35 year old raising a 14 year old is not going to see that as a problem yeah whereas you know yeah like a 35 year old in the 60s seeing their 14 year old like that they would be like they would beat the hell out of them right like, right like, what are you doing you look like a prostitute <laughs> but that's I, that's just a generational change for the negative i think mm -hmm. i think body acceptance hey great but there is there are certain things that you sh shouldn't be doing what you know is. you know i, I, I mean a, i could go off on a tangent on fucking social media maybe i should do a whole episode on that because oh for sure oh, i really could go off on a tangent yeah oh uh, yeah 
any last <laughs> thoughts before well i'm gonna say my little listener advice but any last okay. thoughts before we no i mean i think just kind of yeah i mean it would just be reiterating everything it basically just you don't have to be stronger than you really are like there's nobody relying on you to be as strong as you think there are like yeah. that not that many people like really need you to be strong so you can kind of break down a little bit and no one's gonna care i, I mean it's just how it is like like if i was at walmart and just started crying nobody would give a shit. They'd just be like, uh, okay, here we go. Well, I mean, they'd be avoiding eye contact, but they wouldn't just be like, oh, what a, like, what a pussy. You know what I mean? Like that's, but as a guy, that's our thought. Our thought is that if I cry in front of somebody, I am now, I am the weakest human being in their eyes, but that usually doesn't affect people like that. Mm. It's more like, they're like, oh shit, there's something wrong with them. And, and like in a caring way, not in a judgmental way. like they're like damn like he must be going through something so maybe it's not that big of a deal to kind of like let go a little bit like you don't have to you know just be crying every time a fucking you know viagra commercial comes on go look they're so happy they're 80 and still having sex like but you know but you can tear up a little bit like you know if your if your uncle dies you can kind of shed a tear you know here and there or like if you have anxiety you can tell people hey I am not doing great right now. Like I'm kind of freaking out. Like, give me a second to get, you know, get my stuff together. If you can have that mentality, your panic attacks will go away very quickly. Yeah. Like, I don't know. So that's, that's my little advice. I'm no therapist, but you know. Hey, nor am I, but (laughs) I love that advice and and you give really good context. And so thank Thank you. you. Thank Thank you. you for being so vulnerable and sharing your story with us today for sure no i i've enjoyed it a lot good yeah um so i do have some listener tips advice um i want to give everyone so the first one is um giving myself gratitude writing in my gratitude journal and meditation which i love we talked oh, about yeah yeah lot, so i think that's a really good one uh, the next one is surrounding yourself with people you p- feel you feel comfortable with, which I also think is so crucial. Like if you're going through a hard time, like you don't want random people around you. Yes. You want people you can trust that so you can, you know, be yeah. a shoulder to cry on, um, you know, hmm. that you feel completely comfortable with. So I think that's super good advice. Um, the next one is therapy. It can change your life, which I am a full firm believer in. That. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Uh, the next one is recognizing your triggers so that you are able to manage them. That's a big one. And I think we actually touched on that. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, the driving thing and how you kind of can get out of the car and kind of just walk around. I think recognizing, you know, if you can obviously pick up on, okay, this reoccurring thing keeps happening and I keep getting really, really anxious about it and kind of like break it down, get to the root of it. Why is it causing this issue? What can I do to maybe resolve it? And I think just really walking yourself through that process and recognizing the trigger. So I think that one is such a Mm -hmm. good tip. Yeah, definitely. And then the next one and the last one is radical self-care after a traumatic event or low point, which I I love self-care. I think 
Mm-hmm. People cannot do enough self-care, whether that being <laughs> going to buy yourself something, having a delicious meal, like, I mean, mm-hmm. spa day, it can go on and on and on. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think really treating yourself when you are going through a hard time can just be that little ounce of happiness in your day that you really needed. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, in general, you probably care about yourself more than anyone else does. So oh. why wouldn't you give yourself a couple of gifts? That's so true. No. <laughs> like I, love I that. yeah, I mean, I want myself to be happy more than anyone else does. Yeah. So maybe don't wait on them. Like if right. you know, yeah. Do it now. Do do what you're feeling and you're like, I really, I really, you know, don't have the time or money for this right now, but I'm gonna do it because I need to get that little ounce of happiness. <laughs> yeah. It it goes a long, long way. Absolutely. 100%. Mm. All right, Cody, are you ready for our game? I am. I am excited for this. Good. All right. So the first one is Night Owl or Early Riser? I think I've transitioned to an Early Riser. Mm. Never thought it would happen, but I kind of, I flip flop. I I prefer Night Owl. Just, you know, the the comedy and all that is very, it's a, it's a night person's game, but, Mm. uh, Lately, I have turned into an early riser, and it is weirding me out. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. um, the next one is pizza or pasta? Oh, shit. Pizza. Pizza, 100%. Yeah. Oh, Actually, pizza. if you could make any food, I was just having this conversation with someone, so I was curious. If you could make any food zero calorie, what would it be? Because I said pizza. Oh, God. I, I absolutely adore pizza. Yeah. I'd probably have to say chocolate because I have an insane obsession with chocolate. Like, yeah. Where I crave it all the time. Yeah. Cheesecake was my close second. I yeah, chocolate. I know. <laughs> love that. Yeah. Um, the next one is curly fries or waffle fries? Waffle. Chick-fil-A. Oh. I know. I mean, oh, look, yeah. I know they stand for some things that <laughs> not so great. But damn, you know, if they didn't have curly fries or waffle fries, I would boycott them. But I just that's fair. That's fair. It, yeah, it's waffle fries. I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I'm you know, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> but they're damn waffle fries. They're so good. Oh, yeah. um, online shopping or in person shopping? Online. Online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Online for sure. Unless it's groceries, I don't do that curbside pickup oh, bullshit. I'm not having my eggs crushed by some 16 year old who didn't give a shit. <laughs> He's been hitting a vape for you know eight hours straight. Literally. Yeah. Um, the next one is: Would you rather have the ability to talk to animals or the ability oh, to shit. control weather? Oh my god! Oh, talk to animals. I don't care about the weather. I'm an inside per- cat anyway, so <laughs> I mean, it could be you know we could have six feet of snow right now. I wouldn't give a shit, but I have, I have wanted to talk to animals since like watching wild thornberries as a kid. That was the best <laughs> show ever. Hell yeah. yeah. Oh, I would love to talk to love animals. It. Love it. Me too. Yeah. Um, the next one is, would, would you rather direct a music video or, or direct a movie? Movie. That was actually my uh, first kind of dream in life, like all throughout high school and stuff. I was, I was planning on going to film school when I graduated high school. Oh. So, yeah, I'm a huge like movie buff and specifically like for the directing of it. So, That's yeah. So cool. Yeah, directing for sure. Now, would you rather live without movies or live without music? Holy shit. That is so tough. I think I would 
I would rather live without movies. Okay. Because music I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I like music more, but mm. yeah, that is so stuff. Yeah, I got yeah, I go, I go, I'd, I'll live without movies. That's fair. I like to, you know, ask the hard hitting questions and like make you choose something crazy. Is the toughest question I've ever answered in my entire life. I'll be honest. Which one? The one you just asked. Oh shit! Okay, well. I mean, we're not done yet. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about this for the next two weeks. Just like, wait, no, no, movies. I'm <laughs> texting you. Hey, I changed my mind. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so bad. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next one is, would you rather have eyes that film everything or ears that record everything? Eyes that film everything. Love that. Yeah. I would have to be real careful, though. <laughs> no looking down ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want anyone seeing this, <laughs> this disaster. <laughs> yeah that's hilarious um explore space or explore sea 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 yeah ocean's terrifying very true yeah would you rather give up books and tv that that's including like netflix all of it yeah give up technology as a whole technology technology yeah 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 i give up technology i can't go without books and like being able to watch tv yeah yeah no i couldn't do it would you rather your whole body glow pink when you're attracted to someone or glow red when someone annoys you well shit my body already kind of glows pink and red so (laughs) i mean i think it's called rosacea but uh (laughs) um i think glow glow pink i mean i don't care if you know i mean yeah (laughs) yeah yeah glow pink Glow pink, love it. It'll be a good pickup line, anyway. I know, right? Like, ha yeah. I was like, do you not see how pink I am right now? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually funny. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you rather have a huge imagination or a photographic memory? Hmm. Mm, I think huge imagination. I think it's a thing that also to go just, I mean, a quick callback, but, uh, Men are, it is beaten out of us to get rid of our imagination. And I think that is, I think that ruins a lot of, it makes grumpy old men. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like somebody like Steven Spielberg seems to have an amazing imagination, seems to be a pretty happy guy. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. So I I, I like imagination. You can't go wrong with a good imagination. That's true. That is true um would you rather visit 100 years in the past or 100 years in the future past i do not want to know what this thing turns out to be (laughs) (laughs) i have to agree with you 100 yeah past for sure love um all right and then well last one is sunrise or sunset 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 yeah sunset it's the end of a day it's kind of the the closing of a book yeah i like that yeah, it's wow. it's like the joy you get from putting in the last piece of a like thousand piece jigsaw puzzle mm. when you're like, this is done. This and is- it, I love the idea of just completion. Yes. So, love that. Yeah, I like a sunset for love sure. It. Love it. Well, Cody, this was such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your stories and advice. It was very, very awesome. So thank you. No, and- absolutely. 
let everyone know where they can connect with you. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So on best way to follow me is on Instagram. It's at the Cody Tucker. I post everything about like the podcast, any dates that I may have coming up. We'll all be on there. Um, and then the podcast is the Cody Tucker show. Uh, you can watch the videos on YouTube, which I always recommend to watch a video, especially for the interviews with all the uh, adult film stars. So that's always fun. But yeah. And then, uh, but it's also on Spotify and Apple. So awesome. Yeah, good stuff. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I, I had a great time. And that's a wrap. I hope you all enjoyed this episode with Cody. Definitely connect with him. And you know where to find me at My Naked Mindset on all of your social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Connect with me on my Facebook group as well at My Naked Mindsetters. Check out my website. I have some really cute merch up there for you all to rock. I appreciate the support and thank you for tuning in today. Definitely check out some other episodes and there's, you know, there's just something for everyone. So I love you all. Bye.